0: Locked On NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we'll stop in Memphis to speak with Mark King of Locked On Grizzlies about the surprising play of the Grizzlies and their rookie of the year, frontrunner Ja Morant. We go to Dallas to speak with Nick Angst of Locked On Mavericks about Kristaps Porzingis, his troubling knee, and Luka Doncic's recent semi-struggles. And lastly, we go to Oklahoma City to speak with Brady Trantham of Locked On Thunder about the uh, Thunder, their push for the playoffs and what it means for their tradable assets. It's all coming up. The Biggest Stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA.
1: You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked
2: On Podcast Network.
0: Hello and welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and the lead analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. We are here to talk about some teams who are really battling at the bottom end of the Western Conference playoff picture. These teams who have surprised us in many aspects this season. So let's get to it. All right, I'm joined now by the host of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, Mark King, is here with me. Memphis, currently at the time of recording, we're recording this before Sunday's games, the Memphis Grizzlies sit in the eighth seed in the Western Conference. Mark, a surprise to be sure.
1: Yeah, it's definitely uh, not something that we expected at the beginning of the season. That's that's for sure. I mean, I think I did a preview show about the Grizzlies early in the season, and uh, most people around the Grizzlies organization and the media that covered, I think we were to project anywhere from 21 to 26 wins, and uh, they're uh, well on their way to probably surpass that for sure.
0: They've won their last four games. Uh, they they beat the Clippers, they beat the Suns, they beat the Wolves, and they beat the Spurs. You know, two of those games in there, maybe not the greatest of opponents, but getting big wins over the Spurs and the Clippers, especially against San Antonio, a team that is competing with them for that eighth seed. They're currently uh, one win ahead of the Spurs at the moment. Have played more games. They're uh, one and a half games up on the Blazers and one and a half games up on the Suns and the Wolves. So all of those teams in that area, you know, knocking them off, is really key to being able to to grab onto that playoff spot. With Memphis, you're clearly moving into that rebuild mode, trading Marcus Gasol last season, Mike Conley in the offseason. How hard do you think they're going to be pushing for this playoff spot, or, or are they still more in asset accumulation mode?
1: Yeah, so the Grizzlies aren't going to do anything uh, that's going to hurt their long-term vision. They're, they're still in asset accumulation mode very much. Now, the acquisition or the draft pick of John Morant, uh, Brandon Clark's play, obviously De'Anthony Melton come on on as well. Uh, that has accelerated their timeline. That has accelerated what they're what they're trying to do for sure because now they're in a position they never thought they were going to be this year. But that being said, what they do at the trade de- deadline is still going to be for the long-term vision of this team now. That's going to be trading Andre Iguodala, maybe Solomon Hill, Jay Crowder, those type of things. All those trades are probably still going to bring back either draft picks. If they bring back a young player, if they go out and try to you know, acquire somebody, it's going to be a younger player that wouldn't be able to get in free agency that can help this team now, but also in the long-term vision and success of this team.
0: I was going to ask you about Jay Crowder. Obviously, they're starting small forward. Look, those guys like Iguodala, obviously not playing with the team, Is not going to play with the team. Solomon Hill's in a, a really fringe role, but Crowder is a key part now. He's one of the most inconsistent players in the league, but he's still providing those big minutes on the wing there. So I'll, I was going to ask if you think that this... <laughs> you know, uh, run of form and the way they're going would lessen a Crowder likelihood of a trade? Like those other guys, I think they're, they're gone. There's no worries about that. But how Crowder is going, is he still someone that if they could get two seconds back for him, that they would still do that? Or would they value what he is providing now? Yeah, and push and help the development of these guys. Is that more of a uh, of a discussion that needs to be weighed up, do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean it's definitely a discussion. I mean, what Crowder is, Jay Crowder is is a big voice in the locker room. I mean, all these young guys, he is a a huge leader and a huge part of what they do, uh, in terms of on the floor, in the locker room, in practice, all that. That being said, it's still Jay Crowder. It's still not a part of long. He's still not a part of the long term plans. And if you can get something for him, and I even you know if you can get two seconds, maybe you still do that deal. But. It is a conversation. If someone's offering you just a second round pick, and maybe it's a late one, maybe you just hang on to Jake Crowder to to help you know teach this team how to win and how to play in this league and be consistent because it is a team full of young guys and and veteran voices are always always going to be helpful in those situations. I mean, you look at the Kings; they you know play teams that have just a ton of young guys, not a lot of veterans. They, those teams tend to struggle, even you know, if your young guys are very talented. So, uh, you know, you do have to weigh that. You know that that decision of jay crowder for you know maybe just one second round pick but you're still shopping him nonetheless i think he's a guy that could probably help a a uh, playoff team and i think at the end of the day probably is dealt but it is a conversation you have internally what he provides to your team versus what you can get for him
0: Speaking of young players, Ja Morant has been excellent this season, averaging 18 points and seven assists. And the thing I think has surprised me the most is just how efficient his shooting has been. 39% from three, 49% overall. Uh, He looks at home out there. There's plenty of highlight plays from Morant. Um, there were some concerns about how he would you know, do in the NBA, how that shooting would look, and how he would go defensively. But I think he's exceeded pretty much everyone's expectations, and he is the clear Rookie of the Year front runner. Now we know that he's good; he's already well ahead of the the curve in terms of rookie point guards. But in terms of what you've seen from Morant so far this season, like what sort of ceiling are we looking at here? Are We talking future All Star, future All NBA? Like what level have you seen in this development in terms of you know the the young point guards that you've seen come through the NBA? Where's Morant sitting at the moment?
1: You know, John Morant, he is a talent that is – it's like – it's not like the Grizzlies have ever had. I'll put it like that. The Grizzlies have never had someone as good as John Morant on the floor ever. And he is exceptional at making people miss. Obviously, people have seen his, his handles. You know, those are exceptional skills. Court vision. All those things, but some things that, you know, were probably talked about and, and things that people were afraid of was maybe his finishing around the rim, his body, his shooting. And he's proven that he can do all those things. Now his shooting isn't his three point shooting, the volume isn't where it probably you'd like it to be, but he's efficient with his shot. He takes him the right spots. And if you can get that down, there'll be really it'll be really difficult to stop. You've seen, you know, he's gone up against a lot of elite point guards already this season and he's hold his own and sometimes been better uh i think the ceiling for john moran is is very high i I really do Uh, he's a guy that continually every night you watch him it's he just does something different and and something new and you're just you're just fascinated to watch him play and if you know i think once he learns how to play against bigger defenders and that's what people have been doing him been doing to him over the last couple weeks they've been playing wings, bigger shooting guards on him instead of just straight-up point guards, he's kind of struggled with that at times. Once he figures that out, and he generally is still good in those games, but once he figures out how to play those defenders and be exceptional like he was at the beginning of the year against just straight-up point guards, that will change the game and dynamic totally. But if you ask me right now, I think he's a future superstar in the league.
0: That's the way it's definitely looking at this point. He has got all that written all over him. And again, just so far ahead of where you expect a rookie point guard to be in the first 30, 40 games of their NBA career. The thing I guess we worry about him is the way that he flails himself around on the court and and, uh, dangerous-looking type falls after drives and dunks. That's always a worry when you see players doing that. But everything else has been supremely positive for Morant. So if you want to hear about how the Grizzlies go ahead and uh, try to chase this 8 seed. In the Western Conference, Mark's going to have it all covered for us over on Locked On Grizzlies throughout the week and throughout the rest of the season. Mark, thanks for jumping on Locked On NBA with me. Appreciate it, man. Anytime. To get fit in 2020, you don't have to join a gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in the best shape of your life is with Echelon. If you go to echelonfit.com, discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high quality at home cycling experience at less than half the price of a Peloton. And with your daily live and on-demand studio classes right in your home, you'll never have to step foot in a gym. You'll love Echelon. But if you aren't 100% satisfied, we'll give you your money back. Join the hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. Don't pay a ton for Peloton. Buy an Echelon bike today for under $1,000. Go to echelonfit.com L-O-N-B-A to learn about their limited-time free Apple iPad and complete details of this exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. That's E C H E L O N Fit.com slash L O N B A. EchelonFit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. Now it's time to bring in the host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast. Nick Angstad is here with me today to talk about the Dallas Mavericks team who at the moment uh, a weathering a a little bit of a storm in terms of injuries because Kristaps Porzingis, Nick, has missed the last seven games with what they're calling knee soreness. I believe it's not the same knee that he tore the ACL on, and we were told that you know, when he pulled out of that game against the Thunder back on uh, on New Year's Eve that it was you know, nothing to be too concerned about. But he's been out for the last seven games. Like, what's going on with Porzingis and his knee? Yeah,
2: the Porzingis thing is is very odd. Um they just they've just been calling it knee soreness. They're not really saying anything more. They're kind of just it, it almost seems like they're hiding behind the knee soreness, you know, vernacular. Like <laughs> they're just gonna put it as this, and then they're obviously everyone knows that they're gonna play it really cautiously with Christoph Porzingis. He's obviously torn his ACL before, missed an entire season. This is not the same knee that he tore, you know, that ACL in. And so, uh I guess that I mean, he's seven foot he's a huge guy. He just put on a bunch of weight, and so you wonder if Maybe that has something to do with it. There's just so many questions, right? Like, we just don't have any answers. We have so many questions popping up. But he's missing games. The Mavericks are really – they're really proving that they need Kristaps Porzingis, that he means a lot more than maybe some people thought. You know, looking at his numbers, you'd say, oh, 17 points, like nine boards. Like the, you know, it's pedestrian, whatever, not like an all-star max-level guy. But he's, he means so much to this team.
0: Yeah, and that, that's really coming to the fore now. Like They did have a big win over the Sixers, but prior to that, they'd lost two in a row to the Nuggets and the Lakers. Not an easy stretch of games by any means, but a, a weird loss to the Hornets. They lost that game to the Thunder, where Porzingis was out as well. So it's been a little bit up and down, a little bit rocky for the Mavericks, who currently uh, sit in the sixth seed in the Western Conference, 24 and 15 at the moment. Still going along strongly and still, you know, it looked like a, a fairly strong lock for the playoffs, but it has been a little bit of a drop-off. Have we got any idea of when Paul Zingas might be coming back? We don't.
2: I mean, he got that, you know, injection in his knee the other day, the the plate, plasma-rich platelet something, you know, just like a kind of a boost and trying to figure out what, what's going on with it. But um, we don't really know. We don't have a, a thing. That, that's why they've just been saying – Um, knee soreness because there's no timetable on it there's nothing you know behind it again it's just more questions but this stretch goes back even you know farther than just porzingis being out luca missed a bunch of games starting like december 14th when he went out against the heat Uh, and i think the mavericks are eight and nine or seven and eight in that stretch and so this has been a a long stretch of
0: injuries where they just haven't had their full team that they've been kind of struggling what what do you make of Doncic at the moment? Obviously started out the season hot. He's had some issues recently with efficiency. Obviously we saw that, you know, viral picture of him ripping his jersey in frustration at some of his free throws. <laughs> Is it the stuff that Rick Carlisle talked about about how him getting beaten up uh, on the court is causing these sort of issues? Because he is he is down now, and over the last you know two weeks of action, he's down at seventy three percent from the line when he was up over eighty for most of the season. The three point shooting is still really low. The two point percentage has dropped off considerably as well. Is this a fatigue thing? Um, is it just a natural regression? Like what's happening here with these shooting numbers that is starting to impact this overall squad?
2: You might say he's hitting a little bit of a wall during this season. You know, when when things aren't going well for him, when he's not going to the line, when he's not getting foul calls. You know, he can he has a tendency to complain a lot about calls. Like he's a LeBron James, like he's a James Harden. Even in his second year, he's been uh, he, he has that level of arrogance i guess if that's the word you want to use about it and when that's not going well when he's not getting calls when he's getting fouled and you know it's they're pretty some of these are pretty obvious fouls and he's not getting called for them and that happens to every player but when that happens to luca you can see the frustration on him and obviously the ripped jersey is kind of a, you know the culmination of all those things and it's just you can you can see it on him you can see him wear his emotions on his sleeve uh he leaves the locker room without talking to the media after the game you know this is a young guy that's still trying to figure all this out And so he's uh, struggling a little bit, but his numbers are still great. The Mavericks win games when he plays well. And, uh, you know, it's just a a little bump in the road. I wouldn't say anything's wrong with him or anything.
0: Yeah, that's was and he acknowledged that himself saying, "Yeah, I'm 20 years old. I'm going to do things wrong. I'm going to have issues, and I'm going to yeah, still learn a lot of this stuff." And that's yeah, a great degree of self awareness from from uh, Luca during this time frame where things aren't going as well as the Mavericks uh, would would have hoped, I, I guess. Now they do have, um, I guess, some sort of respite coming up. They have the Warriors and they have the Kings and the Blazers three Western Conference teams right down the bottom of the standings before taking on the Clippers in the next week. So a chance to get things back on track. Um... I want to talk to you a bit about how uh, Tim Hardaway has looked since returning from his uh, hamstring injury, which caused him to miss only three games. Uh, He's sort of been a bit up and down, but do you see him still maintaining this role as this key guy next to Doncic? Because we know how much Carlo changed up the starting lineup for the first 10 or so games. Is this Hardaway's role? Is this the, the, the grouping they're going to be going with, do you think?
2: Yeah, he's established now as the starting guard next to Luca, which is wild. If you would have uh, told yeah. me that, you know, he had established himself, he had been shooting well. You know, when when he's playing with Luca, he's he's dang near like a forty percent three point shooter, and he's hitting them off the dribble a little bit. He's hitting a ton of catch and shoot threes. I mean, he's just he plays so well in that role, and he's just he's figured it out. I I feel like. Whereas when he last season, when he was playing with Luca, and then even at the beginning of this season, he would try and you know throw a whole bunch of dribble pull-ups up and just try and do things outside of the offense and it wasn't really working for him and now he's settled into it he's playing really well his athleticism really pops on this team
0: and uh, yeah he's really he's really settled into that role I think he'll be the starter for the rest of the season yeah that is that is wild to think of where he came from at the beginning of the season especially with other options there like Dillon Wright who was signed and Seth Curry who was brought in as well and to see Hardaway getting those minutes he's a it is uh, it is surprising, but I agree with you. I think he's locked into that role from uh, from here on out. In terms of Dallas's activity heading up to the trade deadline, Nick, how should we be seeing them? Do you think there's so much you know, talk, rumors that I'm sure you see all the time about Andre Drummond to Dallas and plenty of people campaigning for that sort of thing. Do you mm-hmm. think Dallas is going to be a big player at this trade deadline?
2: Yeah, the, the Andre Drummond to Dallas has been a huge, you know, I guess fan base thing but i I don't see the mavericks making having any interest in that uh brad townsend from the dallas morning news reported that the mavericks don't have any interest in andre drummond that was a couple weeks ago but i doubt that it's changed you know in the last two weeks they do need a big body like that i just don't think drummond's the right guy with his you know his contract with being a free agent this summer and then also wanting the wanting the touches wanting the post ups that, that he'll want coming into a team like dallas i think that he's not he's just not the best fit for him uh, and he's not you know great defensively or a great you know elite rim protector either, which is what you would want to bring in to a playoff team like this. but the Mavericks do have some pieces they have a pretty big rotation they have some guys like Justin Jackson, maybe a Jalen Brunson you know um they have the Golden State Warriors second round pick this year, which is going to be you know close to a first round pick They have a couple pieces to make a smaller move. I don't see them in any of the you know Steven Adams Andre Drummond those kind of bigger moves, but I think that they could they could make a smaller one.
0: It's going to be interesting to see this trade deadline as a whole across the NBA and Dallas as they push to lock themselves into a playoff spot, whether they will be a part of it or not. Nick, you'll have that covered for us all over on Locked On, Mavs. Thanks for jumping on Locked On NBA with me. Absolutely. Now let's bring in the new host of the Locked On Thunder podcast, Brady Trantham, is here with me today on Locked On NBA to talk about a Thunder team that's surprising many people with how they are traveling at the moment, 22 and 17, comfortably in the Western Conference playoff pitches. Most people, Brady, thought that the Thunder would be your big-time sellers after moving on from Paul George and Russell Westbrook, but with how they're sitting comfortably in the playoffs... I would have to think that that narrative is changing at the moment and players like Danilo Gallinari, Steven Adams, Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, that they are probably more likely to stick with Oklahoma City through this uh, trade deadline.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly looking that way. And if you talk to anybody, in, like in, in any of the fan base, people are starting to get a little bit attached to this team. And so the thought of like lo- losing Danilo Gallinari, even though it might be for the better, better end of, for the long run, you know, people are going to be a little sad about that because people are starting to fall in love with this team. But I think the Thunder, at the end of the day, they, they're they open to about any option, whether it's helping uh, this team right now, whether it's just staying put with this team or just going ahead and saying, let's just get the rebuild process started now. If some team gets desperate and says, we will give you what you want for Chris Paul or Dennis Schroeder or Steven Adams, Sam Pressy's not going to say no just because, hey, this team's kind of fun to watch.
0: Do you think that there are teams out there that will give that sort of price for those guys? And yeah, you know, reportedly they're wanting quite a bit for those players. Like, is the demand going to be out there, a or to even match Chris Paul's contract, or to give that sort of loot back for Stephen Adams?
3: Yeah, I mean that's that's the absolute million dollar question. I mean, the, the the team that I always look at for Chris Paul is always going to be Milwaukee, and Milwaukee is not going to be in a position where they're desperate unless they've already. Uh, choked another postseason away. So that would happen during the offseason. So I'm of the belief that Chris Paul at least finishes out this season. Uh, Danilo Gallinari has constantly been connected with Portland. And talking to some people around the league, it seems like Portland's just kind of willing to punt on this season because of how terribly they started off. And uh, the thought of getting a rental in Danilo Gallinari where you don't even know if he's going to, Resign and stay with you past this season might just not fit in with their philosophy as a franchise in the short term. And you know, if, if that if that's the case, if none of those, if none of these franchises are going to be desperate enough to give the Thunder what they want—a young asset, um, a future draft pick, what have you—then Sam Pressy might as well just stand put with this. With this team, and just say, well, at least Shake Gildas Alexander, Darius Bazley, Hamadou Diallo, those young guys that are supposed to be a part of the next edition of the Thunder over the next few years, they will learn how to win basketball games. They'll learn playoff basketball, and that that's something that's incredibly important for young players.
0: I'm glad you brought up his name, but Shake Gildas Alexander has quickly become a a fan favorite here. Obviously, the the key piece outside of those draft picks in the Paul George deal uh, locked himself in as a as a starter. Um, how have you seen the fit with him and Chris Paul? Obviously, or well, maybe not even obviously, I think the Thunder should envisage him as a future point guard, but do you think that with how Chris Paul is playing, the way they're using Dennis Schroeder, that maybe they're looking at Shea as more of a, a scoring, off-ball type of a guy, more along the lines of, say, someone like a Donovan Mitchell, rather than a yeah priority
3: point guard type of guy who's initiating everything? Well, it's really interesting because, I mean, going back to my thought process at that- uh, back in the offseason I thought the idea of playing all three point guards at the same time because they had talked about that all offseason I thought that that was going to be interesting I thought it was going to be terrible defensively but also the main thing for the future I thought it was going to take away a lot of the development from Shea Gillis Alexander and that couldn't have been as the season's gone on that couldn't been further from the truth Shea Gillis Alexander has taken this role and really run with it and If you look at it from the standpoint, just think about what the Thunder were for the first decade. They would have their two primary scores, whether it be Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, or Russell Westbrook and Paul George. And then they would have a high-end level role player like a Steven Adams. And then basically a bunch of one-sided role guys that if they did anything, it was a bonus scoring-wise. But they were always looked to, you rebound, you defend the perimeter, you do this. What Shea Ghost alexander provides for the Thunder is the ability to maybe shed that mentality and that philosophy as a franchise because Shea, with his length and his athleticism, he's so unique as a basketball prospect that he can do pretty much anything you ask him to do on both ends of the floor. He's not going to wow you with his speed like a Russ Westbrook. He's not going to wow you with his ability to get shots off like a Kevin Durant, but he can do so many things that he kind of presents the Thunder this opportunity to just have a more versatile, fluid roster moving forward if that's the way they want to base their uh, their rosters moving forward. Darius Baisley, even at, to a lesser extent, kind of presents that same thing. Hamidou Diallo as well. It's just something that I've been keeping my eye on. But Shea has really taken this role uh, with Chris Paul, and it's not only helped the short term because of his 20 points per game scoring that he's able to do, but it's really set the foundation for this franchise to be very excited, more than excited for him moving forward.
0: It is going to be interesting to see what the Thunder do here over the next few weeks and months and how they go in terms of pushing through for that playoff spot. Brady will have it covered for us all over on Locked On Thunder. Thanks for jumping on Locked On NBA with me.
3: Hey, thank you, Josh. I really appreciate it.
0: And that will do it for another episode of Locked On NBA. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at Red rock underscore Beeble and the network at LockedOnNBA.net and all of our wonderful hosts. If you like this podcast, subscribe, give it a five-star rating over on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify, plus individual podcasts for all 30 NBA teams. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.